it's such a powerful choice to take a moment, take a beat and say, I don't want to keep doing this pattern. So I'm going to stop, take myself out of the hunt for Mm -hmm. a, a mate and focus on myself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and as always, I'm so grateful that you're here with me today. I am so excited about today's episode. I'm interviewing Amanda Blair, who is one of my favorite people to follow on social media. She is a relationship coach and the writer behind Real Talk with Amanda Blair. Her very insightful blog, which she posts usually about two times a week, um, but over on Instagram, she posts pretty much every day, and just her captions are so authentic and grounding and just really uplifting and insightful. So I highly recommend that you listen to this episode and also give her a follow over on Instagram. You will not be disappointed. We talk about so much today, everything from heartbreak to self-worth to codependency to being in really healthy relationships, learning how to segue out of not-so-healthy relationships. I mean, the list just goes on and on. She shares so many insightful tips. And the really cool thing is, is that you can be listening to this and take things away from it no matter what your status is, whether you're single, you're taken, you're married, you're celibate, like what have you. There is something in this for everyone because it doesn't just circle around a relationship with somebody else, we end up taking it to a really beautiful place of the relationship that you have first and foremost with yourself, which is something that I am all about. So before we get into that, I just wanted to take a couple of seconds to talk about how there are sponsors popping up on this podcast, which is really, really, really exciting for the podcast. It just goes to show that it's starting to grow and it's being supported, which is so beautiful. And I'm so, so thankful. And I'm really, really thankful to all of you for being patient. I know they're not everyone's favorite pastime to listen while they're just trying to get to the nuggets and the knowledge behind the episodes at hand. So really, thank you so much for just being patient with me and for allowing this podcast to grow. Another way that you can do that, um, support this podcast, is by heading over to iTunes and leaving just a quick five-star rating and review. I would be so, so thankful if you did that. It really does help the podcast to continue to grow organically and land in the laps of those who might need the message. If you feel so inclined and this is something that you want to do, you can take a screenshot of your review and email it to me at hello at thecalmcollective.com and I will happily email you my 32-page ebook slash workbook called Attainable Happiness all about how I found internal peace with some practices for you to implement as well. Again, you can email that to me at hello at thecalmcollective.com. So let's get into today's episode. It's really kind of funny how you can feel how much my energy shifts when I get onto the call with Amanda. Right now, it's whenever I podcast by myself and in the, in, in the intros, it's very um, like airy and flowy and just very steady. But Amanda has such a 
beautiful energy about her that you could just hear it in my voice and it's almost like you can just like feel my energy radiating through the microphone I'm just so jazzed to talk to her and just everything that she was saying just resonated so deeply with me so I thought that was a little interesting so I hope you guys enjoy this show and I will see you on the other side Hey guys, welcome to today's show. I woke up just so excited this morning because today I get to introduce you to one of my favorite people to follow over on Instagram. We're going to get really real with the authentic and down-to-earth Amanda Blair, relationship coach and writer behind Real Talk with Amanda Blair. So without further ado, hi mama, welcome to the show. I'm so, so grateful that you've made the time to be here. Oh, well, hello, and thank you so much. I'm so excited. As I just mentioned to you when we were talking before we uh, started recording, you're the first podcast um, I've been on that I don't know the person really well and Mm -hmm. I'm really good friends with, so this is very exciting. Good, yeah, (laughs) and I'm just so, so pumped for everyone to be able to get to hear from you. Um, That's kind of the beauty of podcasting is just being able to, like, share really amazing people that you might not otherwise know of. So yeah, I think it's going to be really, really great. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's dive in. So I always ask my guests to paint some sort of a picture for those who are listening. So can you tell us just a bit about your current surroundings and what life is looking for you right now in the present moment? Sure. Um, I live in New York. I live in Brooklyn to Mm -hmm. be exact. Um, I am about to turn 34 on Saturday. So Ooh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm a quadruple Aries Ooh. and a projector in human design, if anyone knows what that is. I find to be hugely helpful in terms of navigating life. When yes. I got a reading with Jenna three years ago, I, it shifted so much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently, I am a relationship coach and I write about relationships and, and that's kind of a business that I'm building. And I also work with a nutritionist, uh, running her social media. So I do that, um, in addition, uh, that kind of pays the bills. So I don't put too much pressure on this new brand, little brand new little baby that I have, mm-hmm. um, for myself, this new business. And I was a yoga teacher for five years. Um, but I love to say I'm retired cause I just think it's hilarious to say you're retired for something when you're in your thirties. Yes. Um, and I left that sort of end of the wellness world, knowing that I love the aspect of teaching, but I wanted to teach in a different way and to sort of share what my true passion is and my true passion, um, is relationships. I Mm. have talked about relationships with my friends all through my life. It's what I talk about and can't talk about at, um, at any point. Like I, if I'm at a party, I am talking to someone and I've met someone new, I'm talking to them about their relationships and like what's going on. And Mm. if they're in a successful one and if they're not, why don't they think so? And you know, all I'm always giving advice. Um, sometimes it's asked for, sometimes it's not, although I'm trying to be better about that. And my, I'm always, I've always been the person my friends come to for advice mm-hmm. for relationships. So it just felt like I had to start sharing this thing that I just love and felt so a part of me. So it feels really natural and it feels really good to be sharing um, things that feel I just have to say. So that's been really um, gratifying. 
And let's see, I also just got back from, I say just, it's been on May 17th, it will be a full year that I got back, but I did a seven month trek around Southeast Asia. Mm. And that was a huge dream of mine and was so wonderful and healing and taught me so much about myself and the world um, and has definitely kind of shifted my perspective upon arriving back in New York, just getting more clear about what I want and Mm. what I'm capable of, which has been really powerful for me. And I am also in the midst of looking for a new apartment. I had manifested the most beautiful one bedroom apartment I was going to move into on my own for the first time right before my birthday. Um, And it fell through the pipes burst and about two weeks before I was supposed to move in, the landlords told me I could no longer move in due to the damage and they broke the lease with me. So mm. I'm currently in a magic dark if everyone is familiar yes. with Lacey Phillips language um, yeah. and sort of navigating that. That's sort of the main thing that I'm focused on right now is mm-hmm. where am I going to land come April? Cause I have, I'm in my current apartment until then. And then I need to be out. Um, so it's getting down to the wire and I'm like, what am I going to do? So that's kind of at the forefront of my mind. And I think that's kind of it. I love that. I can relate on a, a couple of different levels. Ooh, you're doing Pilates, <laughs> did you say? Yeah, I just, I just fell in love with it um, recently, mm-hmm. like in November and I'm obsessed. Oh, it's, it's the so best great. workout that and bar are like two mm. and as projectors that is like the type of workout that we're supposed to be doing for our bodies and I've just seen like tremendous results way more than when I would be running and doing like all of these taxing hit workouts so totally I mean I do run I'm gonna um run the marathon this year oh good for you ever but the long distance running is really hard on my energy levels mm-hmm. because I'm still dealing with some endocrine issues that I healed actually before I went traveling and then traveling brought it all back out and mm. I'm, I'm like rehealing. So the energy levels that I had pre-travel are a lot different when I first started training um, are a lot different than what I have now, but I'm still continuing to do it because I just want to run a marathon so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's on your bucket list and you should. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's so, amazing. I'm doing that, but I, I love Pilates because it's so soothing, mm-hmm. but you're still like getting a good workout in. Absolutely. So that's another thing I'm loving at the moment. Yeah, good. Um, going back to you being a projector and um, yeah, I don't really know if all of my listeners know human design, but I talk about it here and there. But um, so with your sharing advice and finding it to be like the common denominator to be being relationships, have you found mm. it to be a struggle in your projector self to not um, share your advice when it's not being asked? Have you found like a good balance in that? Cause we're, we're supposed to sort of just like, what is it? Be the birds, right? Be the birds and observe yeah, exactly. and wait for people to come to yeah, us. Well, totally. It's that invitation. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I keep interrupting you. No, you're fine. <laughs> I also have a problem with that. No, it's okay. I'm trying to work on. Um, and yes, it would, it took me first of all, learning my human design and hearing Jenna say that, you, you know, you will be much better received if you wait for someone to invite your um, guidance, your wisdom, your advice in, and because you see, you want to just share Mm -hmm. and that will push a lot of people away, which did happen 
through the most of my life. And then when I got that reading three years ago, it's kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. I really absorbed that. And I started to shift the way that I interacted with my friends. And Mm -hmm. I have really incredible girlfriends, uh, specifically my girlfriend, Kat, who has done a lot of emotional intelligence training. So the way that she communicates is really beautiful. And she, when we became friends, would ask me, like, how can I support you through this? What Mm -hmm. do you need to hear from me right now? And I have adopted that as well, because there's just oftentimes friends just need an ear. They Mm -hmm. just want you to listen. They just want to process something with you. And they don't need me to say, well, do this X, Y, Z, or this is what I see. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found the more I just ask, like, how can I support you? Or do you want me to just listen? Or do you want my advice? You know, what can I say to you right now that would be really helpful? Has created a lot more intimacy inside my relationships. I'm no longer kind of jamming my views down their throat. Mm-hmm. And, and in a way that I was always trying to help, but that felt very sort of off-putting for my close friends. And now I think we have a lot better communication and I'm able to share my insights when I ask for them and when they have advice and they accept it with a lot more grace because I'm not forcing it upon them. It's, you know, they're asking me for it. So I'm able to give it and then they appreciate it so much more. Yeah. So it's taken me until, I I mean, I want to say like 30, 31 is when I started to really kind of take that in and learn that lesson. But Mm -hmm. before that, I was just offering my advice willy nilly. And it was sometimes met with you know, a lot of reception and sometimes not because Mm -hmm. that's not what the person needed at the time. And knowing the difference is also huge, um, in being a good partner and a good friend and Mm -hmm. a good just fellow human. And isn't it so wild how, how well it sits with you, like within your soul too, when you show up in that way, like when you're looking at a friend Mm -hmm. in the, in the eye and you're like, what, like, what do you need from me in this moment? Like, how can mm-hmm. I, how can I be of service to you? How can I help you? Like you feel, I at least feel this like wave of calmness that comes over myself when I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that feels so much better yeah. than just being like, well, here's what I think <laughs> that puts on Absolutely. a lot more stress. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've had friends do that to me, you know, yeah. I'm just needing to process with them. And instead of processing with me and allowing me to process, they're just throwing out what they think and what they think I should do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel good. It, it like shuts me down immediately. Absolutely. And the thing that I want to cultivate in my life is more connection and open, direct communication with everyone, mm-hmm. whether that be a romantic relationship or a friendship. So it's something that I find hugely important and yes, has really brought a lot of positivity and peace into my life and reminds me to that. I, you know, my opinion isn't always the best thing I can give my ear, you know, I can give just being there like that is just as good. Mm-hmm. So it, kind of, it takes the pressure off as well. Yeah. Um, and it is hard. Sometimes I see things and I'm like, you're not asking, but I really see something and I really want to share it. But I have just learned that to not do it. And I, you know, will write out in a journal or something. So I get that information out of me, but I don't have to put it on that person. Well, and I was going to say, I think that's kind of the beauty of like what, what you're doing too, is you're sharing all of these amazing nuggets, like really, really amazing Mm. nuggets over on your blog 
And you guys, if you don't follow her yet, like her Instagram captions are just like, it's like you're sitting down across from you having coffee and you're, and you are sharing. Yeah. The advice, it just, it's very easy to receive. And I've messaged you before where I'm like, are you in my head? Like, what is going on? (laughs) Um, But, and I think that's a really beautiful way of, yeah, being able to share and it's just open for whoever needs it. And that's how Mm -hmm. projectors are also very successful is when we're just sharing and people Mm -hmm. are like, oh my God, you get me. I need, I need you for X, Y, or Z. I have to say that is all I started this way, started my business this way because of Jenna Zoe. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, as I said, I did a reading with her, um, like three years ago. And Jenna Zoe, for anyone who doesn't know, is a human design reader, Lacey Phillips, who, you know, I was one of her first clients and she's turned into a dear friend. She recommended her. She was like, I just did this reading. I really think it'd be beneficial for you. You should do it. And so Mm -hmm. I did. And this was when Jenna first started. So she blew up. I got her just in time too. I was so happy. (laughs) Yeah. Same. And so, um, and so affordable. So Mm -hmm. it was really great timing. But anyway, so we have kept in contact and she's been so lovely when I have a question where I'm like, well, I don't know how to do this. And I'm a projector. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. She's so responsive. And when I came back from traveling, I had been wanting to do some sort of coaching for a very long time. I wasn't sure in what direction. And that's like going back to the yoga. I really knew that I loved like sharing what I knew, but I wanted to do it in a different way. I just wasn't sure which, Mm -hmm. and it became really clear to me that relationships was the thing. It just became very natural or came very natural to me. And it felt like my niche. And Mm -hmm. so when I got back from traveling, I was like, okay, I'm like ready to do this. I just want to start. But I felt boxed in by being Mm -hmm. a projector because we have to wait for the invitation. And so I went to Jenna and I said, I want to start a business. I want to start relationship coaching. However, I feel like I can't because I'm a projector and have to wait for the invitation. One, two, I don't know how. And three, you know, I'm not married is is that going to be a problem? And she was like, well, first of all, just share what you want to say to anybody. Just say what's on your heart. Just say what you think, what you know, in a way that is no expectations, just put it out there, whatever you feel passionate about. And the more you do that, when it's coming from that authentic place, that's when your people will find you and they will show up. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay. And then she said, you know, just start, like you don't, it's so easy now Just start putting it out on Instagram. If you want to blog, great, like do that and just keep sharing. And Lacey was really an expander for me because she never like threw anything down our throats when she first started out, when she was coaching, it was just like, this is here. If you want it cool. Mm -hmm. And that I've sort of implemented that into my business model as well. Just very much like here it is. If not cool, if you want it, great. Yeah. And, and then the last insecurity I had is like, but I'm not married. And Jenna was like, well, I don't think I want to get married. So I would love to have a relationship coach who isn't focused on that. Mm. And so true. Still have, yeah. Yeah. And like, I still know I've learned so much about relationships and I can still share a lot of wisdom and I can take people on the journey as I find my long-term partner and right. that's okay. And I get to be and start where I am. Mm-hmm. I don't have to end. I don't have to be at the finish line to then create something, you know, right. like I get to be in process and take people along that journey, just like they are. 
I love so that. That, has, that was hugely helpful. Yeah, and I mean, that just goes to show, like, society's programming is, like, marriage is not the end relationship goal for everyone. Right. Yeah, so right. it's, it is pretty refreshing, right. actually, to have that, like, that you don't feel like you, working with you, you're getting to, like, the final point, which is marriage, and then you, you know, are worthy of whatever, you know? Right. So it's nice to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, speaking of dating and relationships, let's go there. Mm. So okay. what, you are single, correct, in this season? I am currently single, yes. Um, I was in a really beautiful relationship when I was traveling. I met, I went, I went with the intention of being celibate. I was kind of in like a, fuck this. Yeah. My life is beautiful. I do not need a man. It was the first in my life I was truly not looking. Mm -hmm. And I met my partner at the time two weeks in. And it just, it was the easiest, most simple, beautiful thing to do. Like, it was just like, it felt so easy. It was like, of course, like, here you are. And of course, and it was so healing and taught me so much. I was able Mm -hmm. to really show up as the woman and partner I had been working to be which I still can't reiterate how much that meant to me to like really see my work. What kind of work have you'd been doing leading up to that? Um, so I had been working with Lacey. So I was one of Lacey's first clients mm-hmm. and I worked with her one-on-one because that's what she was doing. Then she was advising and I had, I mean, no self-worth, mm-hmm. just not the stories I have of the, the things that I did in relationships and the things that I allowed to happen to me in relationships, it's just, it's laughable now how just truly bottom mm-hmm. of the barrel this mm-hmm. stuff was. So I had no self-worth. I had no self-esteem. I felt incapable. Um, I was trying desperately to get sober, but couldn't. I was just a mess. My life was not where I wanted to be. I didn't feel empowered at all. And through working with Lacey and, you know, doing the work that she was doing one-on-one, which is now in all of her workshops. I mean, I, it just changed my life. It was, Mm -hmm. I finally had self-worth. I finally was able to get sober, which allowed the work that I was doing to really come into practice versus just kind of being in my head. Mm -hmm. I finally realized that I'm capable. I was able to manifest everything that I've been trying to call in and, that relationship was part of it. I had always been just very insecure and anxious inside of a relationship. And for the first time I showed up as empowered and a woman who loves herself and who was able to be autonomous. And Mm -hmm. the love that was created from that was so beautiful and so healing to me because it was, he was my best friend and we had a blast. I mean, we were together every single day, 24 seven for seven months. I mean, of course we would do separate things Mm -hmm. to like give ourselves some space, but for the majority of that time we were together and we loved each other even more at the end. So it was an incredibly uplifting and um, enlightening experience. I, I learned so much. Mm-hmm. And that's what really inspired me to be like, okay, I like really want to do this because yeah. I feel like I found the exact relationship I needed. And it wasn't long term. Um, he is younger than me. And I knew moving forward, he needed to 
go be young and do that. Like I had, I had space to grow up and he needed space to grow up. And also he lives in Australia. I live in New York. I don't do long distance anymore. So that just wouldn't have worked. Um, but we ended on such beautiful terms where we are friends, where we still adore each other. And it was beautiful start to finish. Yeah. So it's just like clear as day that you both were just intentional teachers for one another in that season, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Sorry. But <laughs> That's okay. I'm watching a dog and she's growling. Oh my gosh. That is okay. There's going to be like fire trucks here and there on my end. So you're fine. Um, so when that ended, so what, it, what do you feel like in the season of being single? What is that like for you now versus when you were single, let's say in your twenties, how does that feel energetically? Uh Jeez. That's also been really cool to see. And it's a great question. Thank you. Um, in my twenties, I hated being single. I was not single until I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. I had been in a relationship from 16 until 25 Same. consistently. I mean, Mm -hmm. some would overlap. Some were the next, like I would break up with someone and then the next day I would meet my new boyfriend. So it was just very consistent. Um, so I was never alone. Um, And even if I was like, quote unquote, single, I think I had like six months between relationships. Uh, uh, That was my longest. Mm -hmm. And I was constantly dating and like sleeping people, sleeping with people throughout that time. I was never actually single and figuring myself out Mm -hmm. until I moved to New York. And even the first years in New York, I would say like 25 to 28, I didn't want to be in a serious relationship because I just wanted to date around and I was sleeping around. Um, so again, I wasn't actually dealing with myself or working on myself or looking at all the patterns that I had, why I was still meeting unavailable men. And then at 28, things just sort of shifted. And I really felt like, holy shit, I'm going to be 30 in two years. I need to get married and I need to have babies immediately. Mm. <laughs> and it changed the way that I was approaching men, which I'm sure was super sexy. Cause I was like, Hey, I have a ticking time bomb here in my yeah. I'm like, I need to get on it. Yeah. Um, so that became, that was a lot of desperation mm-hmm. that time. Um, I felt very, very desperate. Oh, one and of the then, worst feelings in the world. I hate that feeling in the world. Yeah. And then when I started working with Lacey, I mean, that started to shift, but, but still I felt really like, when is he going to show up? When am I going to get this relationship? I've been doing all this work. I was still like, poor me. You know, I'm a victim. And I was meeting better men at that point. After I started working with Lacey, I was meeting men that were more in line with what I wanted, but still they just weren't working out. And then through this relationship that I had while I was traveling, again, it's just like everything came together. Like all that work I'd been doing just beautifully bloomed inside of me and I was able to show up in this different way. And then this beautiful man that I was with just loved me so deeply and so openly and so willingly that I felt like my love tank was like at full. Mm. And so when I left the relationship that stayed, I just felt so satisfied. And I was like, I'm good for the first time. I don't want a relationship. Like I was writing my manifestation list and a relationship was not on there. And mm-hmm. that felt so good. It's I, mean, I was so I was just yeah. very much celebrating myself that whole time. And so it, that was for seven months. I was like, I'm good. I'm just like being me getting, you know, being single, but not dating, just being with myself and sort of reclaiming my space 
inside me just being alone solo and also my space back in New York and mm-hmm. getting all of my ducks kind of in a row. And that mm-hmm. was really my focus. Um, I started dating in late November again, and I felt really good about it. I was, you know, felt very in control. I know what I want. I can pass tests now. I can see red flags from my own mm-hmm. And I wrote in December. So I get a lot of um, communication from the universe through my dreams. And I had these two back-to-back dreams where I was just like, oh, it was my partner. And I was like, oh, man, I can, like, feel him. He's close. And and before that, I had been, like, going on dates with people, and I was just like, nope, 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 which mm-hmm. felt also really good to be, just be seeing things and being like, no, and passing tests really easily. And after those dreams, I woke up, and I was journaling, and I just channeled this information. I was like, oh, I'm going to get a big test. Like, I feel it coming, and it's going to be really hard for me to pass. So immediately after that journal entry, I was online dating. Uh, One of my tools that I use with clients who have done the work and are ready to start calling in their partner is using online dating to practice Mm -hmm. everything they've learned, you know, holding boundaries, passing tests, saying no, Mm -hmm. just going out and having conversations with men and like having fun, you know, taking sort of the pressure off dating and like finding quote unquote the one. And so I was doing that for myself because I always do anything I'm going to advise someone to do. I have done for me. So I was doing that. I was practicing and I met a guy online. I was currently in California. I was at California at the time because I, it was the holidays and my, that's where I'm from and my family is. And he was still in New York. So we were texting and he immediately wanted to get sexual via text. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, I know I don't want to date this person, clearly, because, like, mm-hmm. this is what he's looking for. But I can have a fling, mm-hmm. you know? I'm 33. I've been single for seven months. Like, I haven't I haven't been with anyone, kissed anything since then. So why not? I can use this as, like, a getting back out there. And so I engaged with it for, like, a week. And then I was like, you know what? What am I doing? This is not what I want. I know I want a long-term partner. I know that's what I'm ready for. That's what I've been working towards. So I'm not going to fool around in any way. I'm not going to settle in any way. Mm-hmm. And so I held a boundary and was like, okay, bye. So I was like, that was a big test. Cool. That was, <laughs> I got that. I'm like, I'm solid. And um, two weeks later, I ended up meeting someone else. And I'm sort of going into it, my thought was this could be, the sort of reward for passing my quote unquote big test. And seemingly on paper, this guy was everything on my list. Um, he, you know, had a, I had a creative job and I like love creatives and artists and he was, but he was very successful at this creative job, which I you know thought was really attractive. He had a lot of ambition, had a lot of drive. So, you know, down the road, he could support a family, you know, with me, like he could be a financial partner. Um, he was close with his family. He had a spiritual practice of his own. He went to therapy. He was doing the work. He was showing up and just like weird things like curly blonde hair mm-hmm. and, you know, big hands and like just other like weird things that I had written on my list that are like kind of unique where I was like, okay, like what's up? Here he is. Great. Thank you. And then throughout our, we only went on four dates, but throughout that experience, he was just very ambiguous with his communication of what he wanted. He was very much like, I don't know what I want. Ah. I'm a year and a half out of a very long relationship, but I like you. 
And I want to see where this goes. I was very confused. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, it sounds like a no, but then you're saying you like me. So I'm very confused what I should do. Um, And so I played it out for four dates because I wanted to like give it a shot. And then was just like, you know what? I can't do this. You're not ready. Just through his actions, his actions were communicating to me casual. And that is not what I'm looking for in any sense of the word. And so I had to end it. Mm -hmm. Um, But through that experience, I really became aware of my attachment style, which is anxious attachment. And Mm -hmm. I had heard of that before, but I had never researched it. And through this four dates, I just felt all these old feelings come up, these old patterns emerge that I thought I had squashed and dealt with. And it felt very scary for me to suddenly be obsessive and preoccupied and just anxious all the time. I couldn't eat just all of these things. I was like, what is going on? Like I have done so much work and I haven't been quote unquote activated is what they call it in two years. So it just made me dive deeper into attachment style. And I realized, oh, I'm anxious attachment. He's unavailable. This is why I'm feeling activated. It showed me, it like peeled back this other layer that of myself that I had to heal on a deeper level. So because of that realization, I've taken three months off dating to refocus on that healing journey and really heal that, deal with those wounds and deal with myself and be able to come back out um, a little stronger and a little bit more aware of myself and others and what it looks like Mm. when someone is unavailable. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm currently taking time for me to focus without any distraction. I'm not flirting. I'm not even if I see like a cute guy, I'm not meeting his eye. Like I'm really focused in. Oh, it's so good. And that takes, you know, in the beginning, it does take a lot of like willpower and it can be a little uncomfortable to sit in that, in that space. Mm -hmm. But I, it's interesting. Our paths are pretty similar, like even down to our age and like how long we've been by ourselves. It's kind of funny, but, um, I, I feel that I, so I was in a really beautiful relationship for a year and a half, which really felt like it could have been 10 years. It was just really impactful. And, um, that ended. And when that ended, I was like, Oh my gosh, every ounce of my worth was wrapped up in this one person, which, and Mm -hmm. and that's not on him. That's not his fault. It was 1000% my fault. So when we separated, when we went our separate ways, I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel completely empty. So your love tank was on full. Mine was like, what's after empty. I was like, what is my identity if I'm not someone's partner? Like, that is what I'm good at. I am codependent. I'm really good at, like, honing all of my energy into making sure that someone else feels seen and heard. And then mm-hmm. if anything crumbles, you know, I'm the one left feeling anxious or like, oh, I'm not good enough. So I really took that time. Right. I, I did the same thing where it was like I dove back into dating, like, what I had always done. Like, I don't like being by myself, so I'm going to start dating And immediately I was Mm -hmm. like, I have a choice. I am 33. Mm -hmm. I have an active choice to fix my patterns or to keep living Mm -hmm. the way that I've always been living. I don't want to feel like this anymore. So exactly the six months that I took to get to, to oh my gosh, it's been life changing. Like I took probably about six months, kind of like what you're doing now, just to be by myself and do Lacey's work and really hone into my human design and just I feel like all of that just gave me permission to be so authentically Mm -hmm. myself and be like, 
that's who I am. That feels so that's much beautiful. better. It's such a powerful choice to take a moment, take a beat and say, I don't want to keep doing this pattern. So I'm going to stop, take myself out of the hunt for Mm -hmm. a a mate and focus on myself. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, especially when we get into our thirties, you know, cause clients are coming to me for anxious, like anxious attachment, mostly, but attachment theory and sort of helping them heal with that. And you know, when they're in their thirties, they're like, I can't take time off from dating. Like I got to meet them now, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like the clock is ticking, but that's not true. Gosh, and the more that we approach dating from that mindset, we will not find what we want. It's mm-hmm. that's coming from lack. That's coming from desperation. Yep. And also if we just continue to jump back in when we are not healed, we'll just meet the same person over and over yes. again in different skin. Yes. And that is so that creates so much bitterness Mm -hmm. that creates women who are like dating is terrible in New York. Dating is so hard. There's no good men out there. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of good men out there, Mm -hmm. but are we allowing ourselves to heal so that we can create space for them? Exactly. Oftentimes we are not. And the one thing that I love so much too, is knowing that like whoever I'm with and I say this and I mean it, like I can feel like the cells dancing in my body when I say it, that like if something Mm -hmm. doesn't work out, for the first time in my life, I'm like, I'm okay because I love being by myself. Like I love hanging, I I love my own company. I am fine. I'm choosing, right. I am choosing to have the company of someone else. I'm not desperate or, um, it's not a necessity for me, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, same. I love being alone. I truly Mm -hmm. love being alone. And that was sort of the difference with this last man that I was seeing And I did, I really liked him. I felt like, ooh, I mean, he was the shiniest carrot. When I told Lacey (laughs) about it, she was like, oh man, Amanda, I was like, I know, it was so hard. That was the hardest test. It was a very, very big test. It honestly felt like climbing Everest and just in terms of saying no and walking Mm -hmm. away when I didn't really want to, Mm -hmm. I wanted to continue. Um, But ultimately I knew that, Wait, what was, what did you say? Cause now I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> just, no, it's okay. Just, um, having that, like that Sorry. feeling so, of, yeah. Oh, 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 that's what it is. So even though I really like this dude, I mean, I didn't stay because I knew that he wasn't looking for something serious at that time. Um, you know, he was still sort of healing from his last relationship. Fine. Get it. And we know we want different things, no hard feelings. I need to walk away. But I also didn't feel, and I still don't, a desperation to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I love my life. I feel very satisfied and I feel very complete where my life is now and on my own. Mm -hmm. You know, I have beautiful relationships in my life that feel very satisfying, that lift me up, that support me, whatever. Of course, I want to find my life partner, but I don't feel this compulsion to be inside a relationship like I used to. Mm -hmm. So walking away also feels easier because there's no like, but, 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 but I need this. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I found someone that I liked and would have liked to pursue a relationship with. He isn't available for that. So cool. Bye. Mm -hmm. But I don't need to jump into anything. You know, I don't need to push it. I don't need to try to fit a square peg in a round hole. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a lot more freedom to be in that very empowered place to walk away. Cause I didn't feel that pressure of, Oh God, I'm still going to be single. It's like, oh gosh, I'm walking away because this isn't right for me. And I feel really great about being single. Mm -hmm. It still was hard, but it was worth it every 
any moment that I was in pain, I was like, you know what, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. And I always say that like life is short, but life can feel really, really long if you're with the wrong person, you know? Yeah. And I just don't 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 want that. We don't need to settle. No, no, no. So for those people who, I don't know if you've ever had one, but like that soul crushing heartbreak, right? That like just takes Uh the life out of you. How would you advise people who are feeling jaded by that or who are just stuck in that space of just like excruciating pain and just not wanting to, not wanting to get out of that hole. What are a couple of things that you would advise people in that space? Well, first of all, I have been there many a time. Um, And to be honest, even this last dating situation, it was crushing. And I know Mm -hmm. that sounds so silly for, for dates, but due to my anxious attachment, it was, I mean, it brought me to my knees. I felt like it broke me wide open um, and was and was difficult. Obviously not as difficult as my other relationships that have been longer and they've ended, but it was difficult um, in that moment. So when that's happening, first and foremost, feel your feelings mm-hmm. and not create story around your feelings. So our feelings come from our right hemisphere, that is our emotional brain. And it's meant to be somatically felt. So it's just meant to be in your body without creating a thought and a story around it. Because when we create a thought and or a story around it, that's our left hemisphere coming in. And what that actually does is push down our emotions and it suppresses them and suppressing emotions creates chronic stress. And I would say the majority of us in the United States are walking around with a ton of suppressed emotion Mm -hmm. of things we haven't felt. We've just created stories around. We push it down. I don't need to feel that, blah, blah, blah. So my first thing is always feel your feelings, but truly feel them. And my favorite way to do this, which sounds so simple, but is very powerful is to just literally sit down. I like to look out a window, look at nature or be outside if I can and like put my hand on my heart and whatever's coming up, say I'm sad. Mm. And I just let the wave of sadness pass over me. If I'm crying, I'm crying, whatever. And I let it, I just sit with a feeling until it recedes and something comes next. And then I'm disappointed, Mm. you know, whatever. And just again, until I feel like, Oh, okay. That's I'm, I'm kind of emptied out. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is not just a day, one day thing that is going to be over multiple days because there's layers of grief and we need to feel all those layers of grief. And Mm -hmm. that will, you know, so anxious attachment, especially when you're activated you are going to be tapping into the pain you felt as a very tiny little child that you couldn't have felt then because it would have overcame you and probably killed you. But now as an adult, you're available and you're going to feel all this rush of pain. And that's not always current. It's that past pain. And so you need to allow that to get out of your body because that will create so much more lightness and space for you to move forward. So first and foremost, feel your feelings. Mm. Um, second, seek support. And that can be, I mean, definitely use your friends, but I would say talk to someone who specializes in this sort of thing, whether that be a coach, whether that be a therapist, whether that be a 12 step program, 12 step programs have been hugely healing for me. I love them. Um, and it's really important to have support and guidance because often when we are broken and devastated through a breakup, there's 
underlying things that we're not quite aware of, like our Mm -hmm. attachment style Mm -hmm. and how that's affecting it or childhood wounds and how they're coming up again. And it's really nice to have another set of eyes that are trained to look and pick out those things for deeper healing and understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that support is just, we all need support. We're not islands. We are, you know, meant to be in a tribe and to have someone guiding us through Mm -hmm. these moments. And humanity wants to help. Seek that. Yeah, exactly. And I I think, too, it's really important to also point on that, that, like, you're going to have to figure out who the right people are for that support group. Like, you could have six of the best friends in the world, and five of them might not be the right person for this. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. And so I think it is really important. And I do have some very, you know, enlightened girlfriends that I can go to in times like this. But I often seek, I seek outside support. Because it's, it's important to get different perspective, mm-hmm. to get someone who has trained themselves to look for things that I maybe wouldn't see and to help me deal with them and heal. So I'm not alone and I'm not getting stuck inside of bitterness and shame and blaming, which is what creates that sort of jaded approach, right? It's like blaming the other person being the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling shame about the way it ended and you don't want to sit with that. You want someone to help you get out of that. You want to take responsibility. And a lot of that is seeking support. And then of course, of course, of course, of course, self-care. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is journaling. I mean, journal everything out, get it out. Mm -hmm. What are you feeling? Why, where did that come from? Journaling is probably my biggest tool. It helps me see so much inside myself. Same. Um, And Lacey's workshops, for sure, they're so helpful. I mean, I do her work every week. And, you know, I've been working with her for almost four years now, and it's still incredible. You know, it's still good. I still learn so much. It's what I recommend for my clients. Like, I would love to have my own thing to go to, but why reinvent the wheel? You know, Mm -hmm. she created something beautiful, and it changed my life. So, obviously, I'd recommend people to do that. And I would also say movement. Movement is huge. Like, if you are anxious attachment and you've been activated, that means dopamine is surging through your brain, which is sort of the addiction neurotransmitter. It causes you to seek and seek and seek and seek for like food and sex, anything really we become sort of um, attached to. And when you have dopamine surging through your brain, it lowers serotonin. So you honestly like can't feel good, mm. but the way that you can sort of cut off that dopamine is endorphins. Mm-hmm. And endorf- endorphins are created through movement, through exercise. And if you don't like to exercise, fine, go for a walk. You know, just get your body moving to help get those more feel-good neurotransmitters happening. Your brain cocktail of chemicals is important. And mm-hmm. when you're in those low moments after you've like felt the feelings and like done the things, get your body moving to help get some more feel good neurotransmitters running through there mm-hmm. just to help you lift you up. Mm-hmm. And those are sort of like my main tips for someone who is just like, oh God, no. So good. And you might have to hit that really gnarly rock bottom, which I've talked about before oh, yeah. where it's like, I had oh, to yeah. do that. I had to do that. I had to like, it was knees on the floor, head on the floor, can't breathe. And then within two days I was like, whoa, (laughs) that was my, Mm -hmm. that was my wake up call, you know? So sometimes you need to hit that in order to be able to hit reboot and then do all the beautiful things that you have suggested. Oh yeah. 
I mean, I think that is so important. I mean, Lacey calls out running into the fire and like I've mm-hmm. run into the fire so many times mm-hmm. because I had to learn like, oh, I don't need to get burned. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I don't yeah. like getting burned. Yeah. But I needed to run through it enough. And it is really important. It teaches you so much. Like you learn so much in the hard times, in mm-hmm. those moments where you are on the floor crying mm-hmm. and you're just like, I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. That's when you're going to see your own strength. That's when you're going to see your determination. That's when you learn the most about who you really are, Absolutely. like where your soul comes from, you know? Yeah. And that you, so and that you realize that moments. like the, the outcome of the relationship, it's okay. Just as it is, you know, yeah. it's okay. And it's a teacher yeah. and it's a lesson. And mm-hmm. yeah, the moment you can really absorb that, it's you're free. You know, you're well, free of a lot of that. One of my mantras is rejection is protection. Yes. And so good. I use this with so many things. Um, but in relationships, it's rejection is protection. I'm being protected from this moving forward so that something better can come into my path. Mm. So I can find someone more in alignment. So I can find someone that I can be my full authentic self with, whatever it may be. Nothing is happening to us or against us. Everything is happening for us. And if we can shift our perspective, we can see that even the worst things, for example, this thing with my apartment, not ideal mm-hmm. <laughs> and scary, but I see that rejection is protection. That apartment was not meant for me and it would not have allowed me to fulfill my authentic path. So I'm being knocked back onto it and something better will come like period the end. That's just the way that the universe works. Mm -hmm. And we need to allow sort of take that dusty film off our eyes to be able to see that. And that does take kind of getting down to the bottom, that rock bottom and seeing like, Oh, but this is working out for me in this way. Mm -hmm. And it's really just, it's a, it's a practice, you know, and I've seen, I've been down there enough to see how things have later worked out for me and that it couldn't have worked out in this beautiful way without all of those times that I felt so low. And then, you know, building that sort of trust within the universe and myself. Yes. Um, really quick, I wanted to get your two cents on this. So we've talked about codependency a little bit, and I think that there's sort of like a misconception around what that is. Um, can you explain that in your own words, what that is, um, how to reprogram it? Maybe like if you're not sure if that's who you are in relationships, maybe how people can start to point that out for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I actually just did a post about this. Um, so I wanted to talk more about relationships are always like, Oh, I want to be independent. I'm an independent woman. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't need a man. And like, that's sort of the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And I, I come through, through my attachment research, you know, this word of interdependence has come out and dependent is a very scary word for everybody. It's like, Oh gosh, no, I don't want to be codependent. But when we are codependent, that means that we are putting someone's need and happiness before our own. Mm-hmm. So we are basically looking to someone else to complete us to make us happy it you know it's this excessive or emotional reliance on another and it's not turning that in and relying on ourselves and that can obviously create a lot of suffering because no one else can save us can heal Mm -hmm. us 
can make us happy, mm-hmm. you know, can fulfill us. We have to do that on our own, but we are allowed to depend on people and seek support. So in relationships, interdependence is just that it's being able to rely and depend on your partner. You are a safe haven. And that is in all relationships. My girlfriend and I have interdependent relationships. They are there for me. I am there for them. I don't, I don't rely on them for all my emotional needs. I Mm -hmm. meet those on my own and I come to them as whole and integrated and autonomous. And then they do as well. And then we can have this really beautiful interdependent friendship, but we, you know, but we do depend on each other and there's nothing wrong with dependence. And I think codependency has sort of scared everyone away Mm -hmm. from wanting to depend on others. As we said, we are, tribal humans are not islands we are not meant to go through this life alone and we are meant to connect with our tribe we are meant to connect with others and use them as support and help us through situations and just in romantic relationships obviously we want to be able to depend on our partner again we are coming to them as whole and integrated and autonomous meaning that we are our own person we know that we make ourselves happy we know that our emotional needs need to be first and foremost met by ourselves. And then we can go to our partner with, you know, our needs outside of that. Mm-hmm. But codependency is something that a lot of us struggle with. Um, you know, addiction is so rampant in our society. A lot of us come from addictive families. You know, a lot of us have alcoholic parents or addicts that are parents and it just gets passed down generation by generation. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that we sort of deal with, right? It's kind of, not, it's not accepted, but it's definitely not talked about. It's left under the rug. And I think mm-hmm. the more that we can shed light on what it is and how you can start to heal from it, I was definitely codependent. Um, and I, I healed myself through Lacey's work. Mm-hmm. I keep bringing her up. No, I did too. Oh, yeah, I'll have to put her in the show notes yeah. so everyone who isn't familiar can take a look because, yeah, she's a game changer. She really is. And, it you know, we need to talk about it and share about it. And even my friends and I who, you know, we have this really beautiful sort of um, we're on like similar journeys that so we ha- use similar language. We'll have a moment where it's like, Oh, am I being codependent right now? And the other will be like, yep. Mm. Like, cool. Okay. And it's that. just like a, a check-in. Yeah. And then we like bring it back in mm. because you know, a lot of my friends deal with the same kind of family stuff that I do, yeah. which is addiction in the family and codependency in the family. Mm-hmm. And so that obviously is going to show up for us, but we now are aware and we take control of it and we heal it and Mm -hmm. it's not running our lives. Yeah. You know, self-awareness is the biggest gift and being able to be verbal within your self-awareness is just, yeah, incredible. Whether you're with a friend, a family member, or if you're by yourself, sometimes I'll be by myself and I'll notice that I'm thinking something and I'm like, Oh, what? You know, like, no, no, that's an old pattern. Like we're done with that now. You know, being able to like catch yourself. Yeah. Okay, I want to do a little bit of rapid fire here, um, if cool. you're up for it. Okay, so I think that you, I think that you already touched on this, but um, your mantra. Mm. Rejection is protection. Okay, that would be your number one go-to. Mm-hmm. Love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about a somewhat of a daily affirmation or something that you always seem to fall back on? I am worthy. Ooh, so good. Um, the best dating advice you've ever received. Probably if you see a red flag, walk away. Mm-hmm. 
Don't investigate it. The test. Yes, totally. <laughs> the book you're currently reading or the last one that you have read? I'm currently reading like five books. Oh my gosh, you're me. <laughs> I'm reading a lot <laughs> of books, um, continuing research on attachment theory and mm. love addiction. And I'm also reading a book called Life After the Pill um, for research on hormones. Mm. And I'm reading another, I just started a novel um, uh, where all the light touches, I think is what it's called. Mm. I might be getting that title wrong, but I'm just started it. So I haven't really gotten into it that far. Cool. Uh, your guilty pleasure. I mean, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Mm. I take my pleasure um, seriously and without shame, but some of my, my pleasures, I will say are, uh, my, um, sauna wrap. <laughs> you have one of those. Dose. I actually manifested it. My friend is an influencer and they sent her one. No way. And I thought to myself when she got, it, I was like, first of all, this is so cool. And I was like, maybe one day she won't want it and she will give it to me. And then I just let that thought go. And I was like, that's crazy. Ha ha ha. Who cares? I'm so happy for my friend. And then literally two weeks ago, she was like, Hey, do you want my sauna wrap? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. It's just, yeah. It's incredible. It is my biggest pleasure at the moment. Um, but other ones, I love a Sunday morning where I get to have like a lazy do nothing kind of morning of like get tea, have a smoothie and then like watch a movie or a TV show in bed. Mm -hmm. I love to do that. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I guess I'll just leave it with those two. I love, I love the taking the guilty out of the guilty pleasure. So good. I'm stealing that. Yeah, like I really enjoy pleasure and I want to create more in my life. I don't ever want to feel shamed about it. Yeah, I think someone explained to me as I was asked this question um, recently and I was like, oh, I don't know. And he was like, well, something that like just makes you feel like you almost hide it a little bit. And I do remember thinking like, well, that makes me sad. You know, like yeah. why would like for me, yeah, it's probably it? pulling like a tarot card because I know I get labeled as like really woo if I do that but for me I love to journal and then pull because they're always so accurate but like yeah it's like oh my I, gosh yeah I think about that of like if someone if everyone knew that I did that I'd be labeled like who cares <laughs> who cares yeah and that's just someone else's projection yeah. on you and like cool that's about you dude not about me yeah we both know you're intrigued yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah exactly um what's a song that's on repeat for you right now oh, um Okay, so song, I think, like, one of my top songs of 2019, which is something that I always list in my journal when I am doing my end of year, you know, New Year's Good Eve idea. kind of review of the year. I'm always like, these are my top songs. These were my albums that I listened to on yeah. repeat. Like, I love kind of remembering those things. Yeah. So the one of them this year um, so far has been Light On by Maggie Rogers. Oh, she's so oh, good. Oh, I'm so obsessed with that She is so, so good. Also, um, I Wish I Was by the Avett Brothers. I think that's how you pronounce mm. their name. I'm writing those down. It's the sweetest love song ever. Okay, what is your current morning routine? <sighs> I love my morning routine so much. It gives <laughs> me so much pleasure and mm. joy. Um, so upon waking, and this varies when I wake up, but I really do try to wake up by 6 a.m., Mm-hmm. 
because I love having just time before I start working. And so I wake up and the first thing I do is chug a huge glass of water that I have by my bed. And then I go into the kitchen and make myself a lemon water. And note, I do a room temperature lemon water because I have heard that the hot water will actually kill the enzymes in the lemon that you're trying to use to oh. help heal your liver. So I'd always do room temperature. Ice cold is also really bad for your chi, mm-hmm. your energy, and it slows your digestion. So not cold either, just like room temperature water. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, and then <laughs> and I do a lemon and a lime. And then I drink Ooh. that. And then I journal. Um, I do morning pages from Artist's Way. So every morning I journal three pages, which has become such a beloved practice of mine. And then I meditate for 20 minutes. And then I usually do some sort of movement, whether that's like a 20 minute yoga flow in my room or going to Pilates or going to the gym or going to the run or going for a run. I tend to work out six days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just I genuinely just love movement and moving my body. So it never feels like a chore. It never feels like I have to do it. And I'm forcing myself to, unless, um, I'm in my luteal phase, which is right before my period. And mm-hmm. then at the end of that, I'm like, I don't want to. Yeah. And I usually will let myself take more time totally. um, off or like do more yoga, mm-hmm. do more gentle movement. And then I start my day. So I stay off my phone for that whole morning routine to really allow myself to acclimate to the morning and to get present and to know, you know, what I want to do for the day without sort of any distraction and or stimulation. Okay, last question. What does mindfulness mean to you when you hear that word? What's like the first thing that comes to mind? Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind um, is a person, uh, probably Eckhart Tolle, uh, because of his books. Um, But mindfulness just to me means not being stuck in my head. Mm. being in my body and being in the present moment and just being really aware of what is around me, what I'm feeling and not projecting the past and trying to future trip in Mm. that present moment and just allowing myself to be here and be now and absorb what's happening, whether that's sitting on the couch or eating a meal or walking outside, you know, or having a conversation with a friend, mm-hmm. not being distracted by anything else, just really being there in that moment. Mm, so good. Last one. Where can people find you? Because they're going to want to. <laughs> I hope so. Um, you can find me on Instagram at XO Amanda Blair. And my website is amandablair.org. Or I should say my blog. <laughs> um, I do have a Facebook, like a you know, quote unquote, like business Facebook, but I don't use it so mm. instagram is definitely my favorite social media tool and the thing that i use the most thank you so much for taking the time you've been so inspirational per usual and i'm so excited for oh. everyone to hear from you thank you so much this was so much fun i hope that everything i said made sense it makes perfect and i'm sense. sorry for interrupting you. no you're fine this is a beautiful conversation <laughs> i'm so grateful thank you so much for having me